There he is. There he is. Leon, how you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I definitely appreciate your time, man. So we're going to get right to it, man. Again, um, those of you who don't know, we have um, an award-winning actor. Uh, he's a musician. Uh, he's a producer. He's an icon. Um, Hollywood royalty. Some of you may feel like, you know, he's your uncle because we grew up watching a lot of his stuff. Um, but can you tell us how, how have you been doing with this whole pandemic and this whole quarantine situation? You know, I just like everybody else, just coping with it. Um, you know, the really hard thing about it is the uncertainty. There's so much uncertainty. We don't know when things are going to change, what we can do, what we're going to go back to being normal. You know, what what exactly is COVID and how can we catch it? Every day they're changing it. Are we supposed yeah, to be six feet apart? Next day I hear we're supposed to be 10 feet apart. <laughs> First day we're supposed to wear a mask. And we're not supposed to wear a mask. You know, it's like, you just come on now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, it's funny, man, because, uh, you know, do, do you find that it's difficult to, to get inspired at a time like this? You know, you're in the house, you might get cabin fever. Um, yeah, you know, it would normally be because if I was doing this on my own accord, right. it would be it would be mad cool. But I'm, I'm being forced into it. And it's kind of like we're in a twilight zone for a while. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was like it was it was hard to believe. <laughs> yeah and so, it's so weird we are. this is our reality yeah. so now we gotta make the most of it it's weird because you, you hear people talking about you know it feels like uh you know this feels like prison you know the government's trying to keep us in the house and it's funny because you you know you were you did an amazing job in the series oz um i just want to talk about that a little bit how did, how did you prepare for a role like that <laughs> um i really didn't you know it was more it was more about, um, I, it was a learning process for me. You know, what I did is I did, I did my, my, as much research as I could before on my own, but, you know, I think that Tom Fontana, who's the executive producer of the show, who's done, you know, St. Elsewhere and Homicide Life on the Streets and, and, and much more, he, um, he just did a really great job of creating a situation um, that was real. You know, it seemed like a real prison. Even our rooms as the actors, right? They were like little cubicles that had no ceiling. So you had no privacy, like jail. So, and and for me, I love that because that kept me in characters. That's the way I like to be. So, yeah, it was cool. And, um, and then you were also in the Father Clemens story. I know that was earlier in your career. Um, mm -hmm. It told the story of the inner city use. How important is that? Because, you know, you look at, you know, you, you were in an Oz series and then you played the role of Ice um, and, and you know what kind of path he was heading towards. But how important is it to kind of tell that story of the inner city youth who might not get their side of the story told as well? Well, I mean, it's very important, you know, because because. Lots of times, I mean, for one thing, we're making thing, we're making movies, television, everything for entertainment. And it's not entertainment for just one sector. It's not entertainment for just, you know, 35 and older or 21 and younger. It's for everybody. And I think the youth need to see themselves in certain characters to really engage themselves because it makes, it makes it real for them. You know, it's not a fantasy. And I think that's important. It's important to tell everybody's story. Yeah. And and you know this this whole COVID thing, man. It it um, 
you know, it stopped sports, but sports was one of the things that kind of saved me, um, you know, from getting into trouble and stuff. And, and you also in another movie, uh, Above the Rim, mm -hmm. uh, which is which was one of my favorites. I heard Dwayne Martin on an interview talk about how um, competitive those pickup sessions would get. Yeah, so, without uh, a doubt, at NYU, yeah. We were, tell, we were, now we some of the there. some of our viewers or some of the people that's on the live today, they might not know that you actually played. Like you, you really played. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I was you know I was all everything in New York and uh, went to Loyola Marymount on a scholarship and played pro ball in Europe. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's interesting, man. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So um. And 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 so you play the role of of of, of uh, the late great Tupac's brother Shep. Um, it's funny because I'm always joking around my friends. You know, you were killing them with your collar pops. You know, it's the first person that I ever seen play basketball with a with, a, with their collar pops. But I know you probably get asked this question a million times. But I just simply want to ask you, like, um, what was it like? You know, working with with Tupac. Um, you know, were you concerned about? you know, the entourage, maybe like, you know, causing some issues on the set and not really being able to get the project done. What, what was it like interacting with him? Well, for me, um, it was a piece of cake. I mean, he was on point. I thought I thought he made the most out of all our scenes together. But he told me that because when he, we came in for the reading. Oh, he told you that? Yeah, he told me that. When he came in for the script reading, you know, you know, very loud and audacious. But then he came over to me and he bowed his head. And said, "You're not gonna have a problem with me, bro, because you're in the five heartbeats." <laughs> the five heartbeats. I think he might have wanted a role or something. No, but you know, it's funny, man. That movie just—people hold that movie in reverence, man. Yeah, it's been at the top of every fold of every African American movie in the last 25 years. It's yeah, like sure. you know, it's like it's like our holiday movie, you know, our yeah. reunion movie, you know. Yeah, for sure. Now I know I know you from Mount Vernon, money, money making Mount Vernon. Uh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so, just a quick sidebar: are you a Knicks or a Nets fan? Knicks, one hundred. Okay. I'm just yeah, checking. I'm, I'm, part, I'm part of the Garden family, man. I'm one of the guys you see sitting courtside. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yan Yankees or the Mets? Yankees. Okay. All right. Just checking. Now you're a real one. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I was watching another. Um, another interview with, with Denzel and, and I know you guys were coming up around the same time and he talked about the importance of having a mentor or someone that could take you under their wing um, when you were first coming into coming into Hollywood. Um, who were those mentors for you and, and what did they kind of teach you? Well, one, Denzel and I are friends, but we didn't come up at the same time. Okay. Yeah, he's, he was before me. He's, he's older than me. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Mm. You know, I don't know if I had um, any mentors okay. in the acting department other than, you know, my coaches, my acting coaches, and my coach, really one in particular. And, yeah, as a, as a singer, um, there's an artist by the name of Barris Hammond. Okay. Jamaica, probably the best singer-songwriter out of Jamaica. And, I've done several tours with him. And, you know, he produced my first single, so, yeah. And, and what, what did you learn from him? I learned um, how to perform every single night, you know, and how to give it to people every single night. I was just telling someone a story that um, we were on a tour 
like a 38 city tour. We're talking about three tour buses. My band had its own bus, rap, the whole deal. You know, and we and we we're going to places, selling out, and um, and then some. And we go to this gig in San Juan Capistrano, and I don't know what happened. Either the promoter didn't promote the show or something, and it was hardly anybody in there. And like in this little place, I'm like, what's this? What's going on, right? Right. So, and so imagine if you were on a tour like that, and and you're like the first act, so there's really gonna be nobody in there. And you're like, so I remember, I remember talking to Barris, and Barris said. He said, it don't matter if there's three people in there or 3,000. He's just remember, whoever's watching you is watching you for the first time. So you got to give it to them. Wow. And I always I felt that way no matter what I was doing, whether I was doing a play, whether I was performing on stage, whatever. I realized there's always going to be somebody out there that's going to see you for the first time, no matter what you did before until they see you. So, so... I just want to backtrack a little bit. So you, you start acting in Hollywood that's that's mostly or predominantly white at the time. Um, at the time? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get in Hollywood and you start acting. How, how do you go about forming circles uh, and making connections in, in the industry? You, you see some people got frustrated. You know, Tyler Perry went and built his own production studio and, and production company. Um, so, so how do you go about navigating a situation like that, um, a young Leon like yourself? I mean, about what? You mean navigating my way through a, a predominantly white um, field? Yeah. Well, if you think about outside of sports, It should be basketball, not even baseball anymore, really. Um, well, yeah, you can, well, the major sports. Tell me something that, you know, is really makes, you know, makes you really successful that isn't dominated by white people. It's going to be tough to do. Right. So, I mean, so the entertainment industry is no different. So, I mean, it's no different than the world or the country that we live in. You know, you just got you just got to go out there and make your mark, you know. No matter, it doesn't matter what color anybody is. It's like, you, you got to go out there and, and, you know, show people your talent and make it happen for you, you know. And for us, it's going to be, you know, you got to be twice as good and twice as hard. But if you want it, then be twice as good and twice and work twice as hard. Yeah. Yeah, and, and see... um, you know, Hollywood, when you came in, it, it, you know, obviously a lot different than, than what it was to what it is now. I think we have more platforms. Um, I think it shows that Black people are capable of understanding and producing complex and, like, nuanced narratives, you know, like deeper mm -hmm. stories and not just surface-level stuff. Mm -hmm. um, is that one of the reasons why you started your own production company? No, well, I'm a storyteller. That's what okay. I consider myself more than anything else. You know, whether I'm acting or producing or even singing, I'm telling a story, you know, and in a movie, I have a certain part in the story, but I'm a storyteller. So of course you want to tell some of your own stories. You want to create some of your own storylines. And so people aren't going to do that for you, or you can try and get people to do that for you, or, you know, or you can just do your own thing. So, you know, you, you create a company, you start creating your own content. 
Now, how important is that from a producer perspective and an act, actor uh, perspective to have real stories that are relatable to you? You said, how is it different, you said? Yeah, how, how important is it as a producer and, and as an actor to have stories that are relatable to you? Well, I mean, it's very important. I mean, because in your work, you would hope that you were looking at something or people, you were presenting something to people that you feel good about and not just um, how well you acted the role, but about the story that you told that you were part of. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's what it's all about. You know, people, that's what people remember. People remember the good stories. It doesn't matter if you're really good in something they don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, you don't, you don't strike me as the type of person that does this for awards. You, you know, I, I get a real sense that you genuinely love this thing for a passion. Um, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, okay? Um, you know, the, the, what's an Oscar-worthy movie? You know, because a lot of times our community we see these movies that are nominated for these awards that we don't really identify with. We, we usually look at the, if those who watch the show, we might see it and say, I never even saw that movie. Um, but, but what, but in your opinion, it, you know, what's an Oscar worthy movie? Well, I mean, I think the Academy or at least it, it used to be, um, is about excellence in filmmaking. So, That's good. That's a combination of story, visual effects, and directing. So, when those when those when those aspects of a film, um, when you have all those aspects in a film, that's going to be considered an award-winning film. You know, whether it gets awards or not, it doesn't. You know, that's another situation. But we, you know, when you say movies we haven't seen, well. I'm trying to figure out. It's it's a, it's a it's a liking to somebody that the way they watch the news is by watching the six o'clock six o'clock news at night, uh, yeah, and that's yeah. and that's all they do, okay. And that's so they're not going to see a lot of things and know a lot of things, opposed to the people who make it a point to watch several different networks and look at different things from when New York Times says to the Washington Post and read different opinions. And those, and those are the people who really start critiquing these films because they, they're looking at films for how good they are, not how much money they're making, not, how it's, not the box office, how good is this film? And so you gotta have good storylines and you gotta have excellent filmmaking and good directing. So, do, you know, do, do we as a community maybe need to change our opinion of, of these award shows or, or maybe just what we consume? Well, i tell you one thing. If not seeing the movies that are nominated, um, if you have a problem with that, well, it's, it's easy to fix because they announced the nominations. Yeah, just go see the movies and yeah, stuff yeah. before it comes out, before the Academy Awards. It's very simple. Right, right. <laughs> Oh, this. Uh, you know, with so many platforms, um, there's ways to show our talent, right? Um, do you ever feel like, you know, because there's so many platforms, it gets crowded, it, or has it become crowded? 
And is, is there still such a thing as loyal fans because there's so many platforms to view our stories? Um, yeah, I think you can have loyal fans. I think, okay. I, I, think I have a few. Yeah, you do. I see them in the comments <laughs> over here. I see some um, hard but, eyes. I see a lot going on in these comments. But yeah, go ahead. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think that you, if you have fans and people that, you know, demonstrated, you know, and that followed you through the years, you got to make sure you can, you know, you give them something. Um, luckily, um, that's one of the advantages of social media. Like a lot of people that you, whether you see writing in now or who are my fans on Instagram or Twitter, whatever, it's, um, you know, I give them photos. I give them, you know, clips. I give them things that, you know, to be engaged so that, you know, until the next project comes along, and the next project comes along, I give them that, even a little bit earlier, sneak peeks. I give, you know, that's, I mean, if you want loyal fans, you got to be loyal to them. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a gem. That's certainly a gem. Um, a, a lot of the roles that you played, man, uh, you know, they're, they're still culturally very relevant. Um, do you ever look back at some of the work that you did and say, wow, I really created that? And I'm going to give you an example. Uh, you played Little Richie. You did an amazing job. Thank uh, you. And the late, great uh, Little Richie. Now, growing up, I, I can't say I was particularly a fan, but, um, you know, with the age of information that we're in now, I didn't learn until 10 years ago that he was the architect of rock and roll. Um, but but can do you ever look back at some of the roles you played and then what was it like playing that role? <laughs> well, playing that role, it was, um, it was, you know, it was a lot of hard work. You know, you got to realize I, I was in, you know, rehearsals for the, you know, for the, um, for the performance numbers for, you know, like five, six weeks before we started shooting. And then um, some rehearsals and stuff. Luckily, I had, you know, my brother from another mother, Robert Townsend, directed Robert me. Townsend, yep, so, yep, the legend. So that, that made things a little smoother. And then, you know, um, just try to, on that um, on that schedule, a shortened schedule, I mean, it wasn't like a, because if it was a feature film, it would have been a much longer schedule. We had a lot to pack in. And um, I, think we, I think, you know, Robert did a great job. I think we did a great job. Um, and everybody in the movie did well, I thought. I, thought, I mean, I... Yeah, I think it's a very good movie. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, but I've been seeing a lot of different scenes and clips because of Little Richard passing. So I've been I've posted some myself or one or two. I may post another one actually. I need to give, okay. him, some, I need to give him some props. <laughs> now, now I know you don't you don't watch you don't watch your films a bunch. Um, how do you learn from yourself? Right, like in sports, you watch yourself on on film. You look at you know if you're playing defense or not, but. That doesn't really apply in film, but so how do you get better if you don't watch yourself? How does Leon get better? Well, I mean, I watch, I watch a film or TV show, or whatever, when it comes out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I'm not watching it. I mean, I'm okay. not, I'm not gonna make a movie and not watch it. I'm not gonna, right. do, you know, say no. <laughs> right, right, right. It. Yeah, probably, <laughs> I, mean, I probably just for press reasons, we'll probably be, we'll see it at least a couple of times. But I'm saying I like, but after that time, I'm not watching my movies. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not I'm not home watching the temptations. I'm not home watching cool runnings. You know, I'm not that's not what I do on my <laughs> <laughs> Now now you, you got to work with uh Robert Townsend um, again, uh, another one of the legends. Um so so you got to play the, the role of little Richie and 
there's this growing conversation, and I'm sure you've been made aware about it. You know, mm -hmm. some people might say they, they made Leon wear a dress. Is there this thing in Hollywood where, um, you know, there are these roles that that viewers, particularly in an African-American community, where we feel like, you know, this role is trying to uh, emasculate Black men, um, you know, we'll say, you know, they made Leon put on a dress. But th does that kind of exist or is it or is it just perception of the viewer? Well, I think it's two different issues. I, I like what I'm saying is I don't think the Little Richard movie really applies. Right. Because I'm playing Little Richard. Right. Okay? <laughs> I mean, he's a true right, character. Right. This is an authorized biography. You right. know, it's not, not like somebody is writing a role. It's like to put somebody in a dress. Right, you know right, 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 and 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 the really crazy thing is, what's cool about it is that you look at the circumstances in which he was wearing a dress. Right, right, right. He was wearing a dress. He was trying to survive at a vaudeville show. Right, right. Coming up, you know what I'm saying? So like, but is there is there this thing of, you know, emasculating black men, or is that just kind of table talk? You know, I think that. <laughs> I think that um, it's not emasculating men at all. Okay. Uh, especially not now, but I think that's up to the man playing the role, to be honest with you. Um, so um, if um, it depends, and you say I'm putting a man in a dress, well, it depends on if that is a man in a dress because he's in drag, is a man in a dress because he's in disguise, is a man in a dress because he feels as though he's actually a woman and should have been born a woman. There's a lot of different reasons why. Right, right. You know, um, I think in today's society, um, we definitely look at it in a much more open eye, or at least we should. And it's a part of society, whether we're going to realize it or not. Um, but if people still find a man in a dress funny, um, cool. I mean, if they've been doing it for years, even with white actors, some like it hot, you know, with Tony Curtis. And, right, 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 and, right, yeah. right. <laughs> um, Toots, Tootsie, Dustin Hoffman. Right, right. We're talking about Academy Award winning films. Right. See, and that's another situation. Right. Because if the movie's really good, if it's like an award winning film, then that's the difference in doing it in something that's like, that's not even really that good for some, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's different. Yeah, it's yeah. Hard to work. Yeah, no, for I mean, sure. For, for me personally, I mean, I'm an artist, you know, and yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. on one. I'm gonna want to paint different pictures, you know, that I'm allowed to paint. I'm gonna want to stretch my talent, you know. I'm gonna want to see if I can pull things off. I mean, Little Richard was probably the first time in my career that. I heard like whispers that, um, you know, why did he get it? You know, I don't think he's not right for it. He's not right to play Little Richard. But you're, you're a real musician. It's not like you're just some. No, 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 no. But what I'm just saying is that, you know, because what, because you got to realize something. Physically, okay, of course I'm much taller than him. I'm very right. tall. He's short. So that's, right. you know. And, but, and, and, and for the same reason why I was apprehensive for taking the role is the same reason why people say that. Because for me, you, I don't know how old you are, whatever. The little Richard that we know is that Jerry girl dude screams like that on commercials, right, right. like that, whatever, <laughs> with all this makeup on. That's right, right. what we know of little Richie. Right. 
so when they asked me to play Little Richard, at first I laughed in the meeting. I was like, you, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I'm like, what, like what, what about me made you think Little Richard? <laughs> you know what I'm and then they said, no, I'm, we want you to read his, um, his book, his autobiography. And so I read his book and, um, and I realized I was playing Little Richard from 1957 to 1963. And if you look at Little Richard from then, Dude, he was a stud. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was great looking. Great jawline. I mean, he was killing him. Met girls going crazy. I mean, nuts. You know what I'm saying? And he was the architect of rock and roll. And so all of a sudden, then I saw it, you know, and then on top of his flamboyantness and, you know, his just outright, you know, just out there character, that for me was like, okay, that's great. I'm going to get to go off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get to chew up some scenery. <laughs> it's know? it's crazy how a lot of how a lot of the viewers, a lot of people, might not see that side of what goes into taking a role, right? Um, you know, I I always categor categorize you as somebody who came into our homes and left, right? Like you never came into our home, and I'm gonna explain what I mean by that, right? So you you we we watched you at home as kids, um, or young adults. Uh, on TV, and we watched you in a particular role, and then you left and went, went and did another role. Um, so you were never someone that got stuck in a role. Like, you came into our home, we knew you as one thing, and that was it. Or we knew you for the temptations, and that was it. Mm -hmm. You ask different people, they may say, hey, I know Leon from Cool Runnings, or I know him from the Father Clement story, or I know him from Little Richie. How have you avoided being typecasted? Typecasted? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think that I've been, I've been blessed to be able to demonstrate um, um, a range of roles early on in my career, so that you know there was something that people saw that they liked in one role that made me write for another role, you know, as opposed to just that one thing, you know. And um, I think I really got lucky too because I was, you know, for whatever reason. You know, I've, you know, been dubbed this ladies man. <laughs> <laughs> and but the the crazy part about it is I didn't play any, really any of those kind of roles. And that's not you calling yourself the ladies man. That's no, the no, no. That's what I'm saying. I, I, mean, I didn't even play any of those kind of roles. Right, right. Early, like early on in my career and, and and until it happened, you know, I guess, I mean, it was, it's, it's really kind of weird how it happened. But, um, and then eventually, you know, it did happen, you know, waiting to exhale and, you know, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's funny. So people saw me in a lot of different things, you know, directors were seeing me, they remember me from Cliffhanger. And they were like, right. he's, he's vicious. He could be a crazy girl, you know. Then other people would see me in Cool Runnings and just think, you know, I was that like straight up, you know, leading man, you know, could have been on the Cosby show if I wanted to. Right, you know, right. like that kind of guy. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, and then they saw, you know, a real silent character, you know, that didn't even speak much in Above the Rim, but was the hero of the movie. And that's why Michael Mann wanted me to play a role in Ali, because he saw me in Above the Rim. So if different people see different things, different things that they like in me from all different types of characters, that's the reason why I was able to, you know, go from one to the other and, you know, keep some variety. That's tough to do, man. And, and I remember a few years ago, uh, you might know him, Jeffrey Owens. You know, there was a picture of him 
bagging groceries in a, at a Trader Joe's. And mm -hmm. the, uh, the picture kind of went viral. Um, can you talk about how hard it is to maintain work in this industry? Very hard. I mean, it's, you know, you have to realize this is an industry where if they say no to you nine out of 10 times, you're very successful. Because most people never get yes. So you got to realize that. You, I mean, you, you're in a business where people say no to you all the time. So, you know, it's not, it's not easy to, to stay afloat. And then it depends on when you are afloat, how you live in your life. You know, and, and are, you, are you making sure that you, you're okay during the, um, you know, the slump times? Because they're going to come sooner or later. Right. And, you know, and then can you survive them? Can you, you know, and weather the storm and, you know, wait till, you, wait, wait till they're feeling you again? You know, that's, what, you know, that's just the way it is. And so it's just very important for, you know, an actor to realize that whatever he's doing, if acting, for example, is not, you know, paying the bills and keeping you steady, which is what you want, then make sure, you know, you have something so that you can always um, be available to act until that time comes and, you know, make sure that you live in right for, you know, because sometimes you may not get that acting job. You know, 70, you, I think it's something like 79% of all actors in the Screen Actors Guild don't even make $10,000 a year. So you see what you're doing is you're seeing, you're seeing people like me and everyone else on the screen, you're seeing us. We're not part of that 79%. Right, right. You know, and so people get the idea that, you know, everyone's making a lot of money, but they're not. Far talk, from about, talk about the business side a little bit, though, because they're, you know, I don't think we hear too much about that, right? You might hear it on the music side. Oh, I signed a 360 deal or I signed a publishing deal or I signed my masters away. Why don't you really hear too much of, of the business side when it comes to entertainment? Um, well, you do if you're looking for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you read the trade papers, you know, it's like that, that you'll hear it. Um, but it's not like... Yeah, I mean, you hear it all the time. I mean, nowadays, I think, because you know what it is? Nowadays, you hear about everything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's not a secret. You know, it's not like the old days of Hollywood where, you know, an actor can keep a mystique about it and, you know, be out of the public eye except for when he wants to be in the public eye. Now, you were in, um, you were in another movie, Once Upon a Time When We Were Colored. Yes, very good movie. Very, very good movie with uh, the the the... Very talented, Miss Felicia Rashad. Very talented. Um, oh yes, without a doubt, a lot of talented people in there. Yeah, yeah. But I enjoyed working with Felicia. She's one of my favorite people. Yeah, and I grew up watching her in the Cosby's as well. Um, do, do you a movie like that? Um, and and those of you that are tuning in right now, if you haven't watched it, find it. Very very good work. Um, do you ever look like look at a movie like that and say? We don't need another uh, movie about racism, or um, we don't need another, you know, I call it traumatic porn, you know, mm. uh, stuff that we watch that's a little traumatic to us, stuff that, you know, maybe it's a slave movie, maybe it's a movie about racism, or, or kind of typecasting us in a way that we're used to seeing. Do, do you ever look at movies that way, or you just look at them differently? I look at the quality of them. You know, if 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 a movie is just uh, you know a movie about, it's just a slave movie and um it's you know 
it's okay, then no, we don't really need it. But if it's, you know, 12 years a slave or, you know, or something that quality, yeah, then that story should be told. I mean, to say that we shouldn't tell stories from slavery, which is so much a part of our history, is that means that means then we should see no more movies about the Holocaust. We should see no more movies by any other race or anybody else being held captive and not being treated like they're a human being or anything else. We need to just stop seeing all of that because that's a, you know because that's a part of history and that's a part of everyone's history at some point and somewhere in this world. Yeah, that's a great answer, man. That's a real great answer. Um, now, you, you also had the opportunity to work with another musical icon, another legend, Whitney Houston, uh, Waiting to Exhale. Um, can, can you explain what it was like working in, in that role? In, uh, and, and, and do you ever look at, you know, characters like Russell and say, man, you know, we, we got to treat our, our women better? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, I do it because that's, that's, if you're asking me to view the movie, right? Right. What the movie's supposed to be, okay? That's not how things are supposed to be, like a guy like Russell, because the guy, Russell was a, her choice, a bad choice, because she's making bad choices. So that movie was about her making, that movie, her storyline's about making bad choices. Russell, right off the bat, okay? I mean, he's married, okay? You know that. <laughs> and, and she's letting him in all the time, imagining in her mind, okay, that he's going to leave his wife. You know, it's obvious that he's not going to do that, but she wants to believe that. And it's like, it's, it's about a woman or, or a man who is trying to project something on a person that they want that's not there. And it's obvious to see, but they don't want to believe it. So in her mind, you know, Russell looked like the guy that she wants to go out with. Right, right. <laughs> That's basically sure. what it is. Right, right. Russell looks like the guy she imagines she imagines she could be with. Okay? So she goes with that knowing that's up to you to not do that. It's up to you not to get serious with a guy like that. It's about bad choices. So Leon, Russell, I, Leon, Russell, I imagine Russell just represented that. Leon, I imagine people come to you for relationship advice after they watch uh, Waiting to Exhale and say, man, he, he must have all the answers because he... Yeah, they come to relationship advice <laughs> all the time. I don't know if I just have to wait and exhale. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so you played, uh, you know, you were in the five heartbeats. Uh, you played David Ruffin, obviously. Um, and then you were Little Richie. Do you see a parallel between all three of those characters? Because we, we look at these people and we say, you know, uh, these guys had it all, right? They're, they're on top of the world. They're touring. They've got fans. Um, they're famous. Do you see any parallel between all three of those characters? I feel like they were flawed. Now, I could be wrong. Oh, oh, oh yeah, of course they were flawed. Okay. Well, they were all flawed. I mean... Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play a character, you want your character to have dimensions, you know, and you want your character. So if a, flaw, a character is flawed, 
I mean, that's just one dimension that allows you to have a full body role. Um, you're going to see him on his highs. You're going to have his low, his lows. You're going to see him for his faults, you know, and for his, you know, talent. And that's what makes you, whether you realize it or not, you know, fall in love with that character or fascinated with that character or want to see that character again because you're, you're seeing these different elements of this character. He's not just one dimensional or even two dimensional. And those are the roles that you want to play. Now, Leon, uh, um, you know, once this thing is all over, what, what can we expect from you? You know, what's next for you? Um, and, and what are you working on? I know you have your production company. Um, and and, and kind of just tell us what you have, what's next for Leon. Well, uh, what's next for Leon? <laughs> I was working until March 13th. <laughs> you know, so I mean, next thing I know, everything was shut down. I was on a, I was on a TV show, on Showtime. I was um, I was I was on a sold out um, theatrical tour, the Set It Off tour, and my band was booked to um, to perform on the Tom Joyner cruise. <laughs> um, yeah, and next thing you know, everything went. So I would just hope that as soon as we get back. Um, to production as soon as we get back to shows um, you know I'll be able to tell you what I'm doing <laughs> right right uh, your production by your production company by the way you have mm -hmm. uh, I believe it's 40 and single 40 oh, and no, that's not my production company but um, that um, I'm executive producer the executive one, producer I'm <laughs> sorry I'm one executive producers on that so can tell tell us a little bit about that about that project. Forty and Single is a, a TV series I highly recommend. I'm very proud of. Um, directed by um, Layla Donsi from Ghana. She's a, it's a story takes place in Accra, Ghana, and she does a wonderful job of um, um, putting this series together. Six episodes, and uh, yeah, um, it's called Forty and Single. Um, it's even though it takes place in Accra, Ghana, it um, the issues that the women deal with are relevant here as well, and it's nice for us to see us in the in the motherland, you know, going through things that we go through as well, and um, just like they watch our movies, we can watch this series. Plus, you got a few, you know, American stars in there like me and. Vanessa Williams is in it Vanessa as well. Vanessa Williams, right. Yep, yep. Vanessa Williams as well. John Hurt. Um, yeah, so definitely. She does, you know, really. 40 and Single, It's you can watch it on the UMC network, umc.tv. Um, yeah. And I believe that um, next month, um, Essence Studios, which is Essence um, Magazine's um, new TV next streaming network, is going to be releasing um, A Love Tale. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, by um, Sidra Smith. And uh, it's about four women living and loving in Harlem. And myself and um, Rotimi. Uh, and it's um, a very provocative story on the female side. <laughs> Man, y'all make sure y'all tune into that. Leon, again, I want to thank you for sitting down with us today. Um, it's certainly been a, a, a pleasure. Again, uh, you are a legend. Oh, you should definitely, you. definitely be giving your flowers. Uh, again, he's he's an, an award-winning actor. He's a he's a musician. 
I mean, he's all that. If you want to call him uncle, call him uncle because we've known we've been watching his stuff for for that long. Uh, and and I uh, just want to say thank you again. Uh, be on the lookout for uh, everything that he's he's doing. How do people follow you? How do they they keep up with your work? Yeah, well, you know, right here on Instagram at um, www.justleon, www.justleon. And, you know, or just Google me. But, you know, I'm easy to find. Just Google him. He's got Twitter. He's got Instagram. He's got all that good stuff. Leon, I appreciate you. You, you and your family stay safe in this whole situation that's going on. And we'll be checking for you, okay? Without a doubt, you too, okay? And everyone right. out there that tuned in, man, appreciate you all.